seek loyalty and I also like to give it. So we've been dealing with Walker for over 20 years and that's a relationship that became very organic. Welcome to The Profitable Table, fed by Wolco Foods, the nation's first podcast devoted to the restaurant industry. Now, here's your host, Wolco Foods CEO, Stephen Toberoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Profitable Table, fed by Wilco Foods. I'm your host, Stephen Toberoff, and today I am so excited because our guest is someone that Not only have we had a wonderful relationship with for many years, but I and many people in my team, for sure, and many people around the world are huge fans of my guest. And so without further ado, let me introduce Ron Ben Israel, (laughs) the world's foremost maker of and associated with bespoke wedding cakes and other things. And more important than that, just a terrific person. So Ron, thank you so much for taking the time to come in and talk with me today. Thank you, Stephen. You can't see me, but I'm beaming. I'm beaming from year to year. <laughs> you really build up my, stroked my ego. <laughs> well, it's the truth. My accounts uh, payable manager, my controller Carol, is a huge fan of yours. So when I told her that I was interviewing you, she was so excited, and she's telling her sister. And I know Am that I, excitement's. Is she a fan because I always pay on time? No, she's a fan because she watches you on TV and she oh, thinks that you're just the most terrific person. That's where yeah. she knows you from. So she, you know, she's I have the one to that, say, yeah. I'm very, since I started my business over 20 years ago, I've always had a fear of owing money. So I never borrowed and I only uh, ordered against collateral. And right now it's the first time. 9-11 was a breeze, hurricanes disasters, recession. This is the first time in the history of my career that the bills are piling up. Well, I can relate to what you're saying on two levels. One, she's the one that I use and her team, they pay the bills to to my vendors. But what you say is is very similar in a sense on how we run things uh, at Wilco. We've always been very disciplined in how we use leverage. Mm. And when you have circumstances such as this in 2008, you, you know, you recognize why that's important. But I would also agree with you that this particular set of challenges that we're dealing with is unique. I mean, I, I certainly would love to hear more about, you know, what your thoughts about what's making this time, say, different from 08 or 9-11 or other, you know, oh, challenges we faced in New York. Yeah, <laughs> I can go on and on. Of course, everybody is, all we have is time and isolation, so we talk and on and on. I think the biggest difference the biggest difference for me and many New Yorkers was that 9-11 got us to appreciate togetherness and people were hugging in the streets and crying and laughing. We all came together as a city and human beings. And what we see with COVID and the restrictions on movement and quarantine is that we are growing apart and Mm. we are getting tired of communicating digitally over the phone uh, you know, I used to call my friends and they would pick up. Now I have to leave a message and schedule when we're going to talk about nothing. So yeah. it's a little frustrating. And that's why this week we are back at work. Uh, we really lost all our business because I set up the cake chain to supply cakes for special occasions, mostly weddings, bar mitzvahs, sweet 16s, anniversaries. But everything we do is custom-made. Our location is on the 13th floor of a commercial building in the garment industry. 
So people come by appointment. We have a very large space and it's used for classes and demonstrations and events, but everything is off the street. So we don't have any retail business. And I brought back some of my employees begrudgingly because I'm afraid of them using public transportation. But we are trying to create a whole line of Ron Ben Israel cakes treats. And we will deliver them in person starting in New York City. So it's really, uh, I don't even know if this is going to work out because there are many places one could order cookies and little candy bars. But this will come from us and we are developing it this week. I already did five versions of the Earl Grey blueberry shortbread. Mm. <laughs> we, we killed your stock. We need more. So... <laughs> But your guys have been great. We have been, you know, usually you would place an order once a week and you place it in advance and you have a rotation and you know what you need based on the cakes that were ordered months and months in advance. Now we are playing around with recipes for macarons. So I call your guy and he gets me some almond flour. And then the next day I say, well, can you deliver some dried blueberries? And so I have to say, I feel good because we're supporting each other. Uh, but it's it's tough. It's very no, it's, different than what we used to. It is a challenge. I mean, I, I know so many sort of customers who had stuff that was geared up for a certain type of consumer. And what we've gone on now is sort of altered that and people are pivoting. I think where you're going to have a tremendous advantage over other people is you have such brand recognition and, and you're, you're so well-known and well-loved that I think a lot of people who either had purchased one of your magnificent cakes, is they're going to love the opportunity to get other goods from you. Thank and you. people who have never had an occasion to purchase one of your cakes, and, and they can be bespoke and very expensive, are now going to have an opportunity to get the Ron Ben Israel experience. So I think it's a great idea. And you know, I can certainly relate you know, to what you were saying too. I think that you know, from what I'm seeing internally uh, on my end, because we deal with restaurants and bars and institutions and really entities across the spectrum. And over the last week or two, I think people are really gearing up. And one thing's for sure, in my opinion, Ron, I think if this experience has taught us anything, it's that we really are social creatures because I couldn't agree with you more. People are really dying to get back out there and interact with each other safely, of course, and get back to that social life that we knew. And I think food is such a big part of it, you know, the communal aspect of it. Right. So the two words you mentioned, one of them that I hear the most in the industry are pivot, which means mm -hmm. you stay in place, but you change around the direction, the output, the input. And the other word is scale. And those two terms are all across the food industry, the hospitality, uh, cakes, uh, decor, flowers, invitations, everything to do with events and service and hospitality because we can't get the numbers we used to get for months to come. Most of our events were not canceled, but they were postponed. And uh, now we're going through the second wave of postponement. First, it was spring, summer to fall, and now the fall events are moving to 221. And a lot of the fall people the fall celebrants want to continue celebrating in the fall. So it's really not a few months, it's a, more than a year ahead. Mm -hmm. So we have to look what can we do on a smaller scale. And we had a high minimum to start with uh, cake orders because all our cakes are structured. 
So most of our kicks would go for at least 50 people. I mean, you could have a smaller event, but the size of the kick would be for 50. Uh, and now we're trying to see what can we do for 20. And selling cookies, you can compare at a $20 minimum, you can compare to the price of a wedding cake. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the rent is the same. Yes. So we'll see. I go up and down. There's some days I'm very excited about what can be done. And some days I say, it's over. I'll go mm. and work for Walco. <laughs> Would you t- <laughs> I know sell. I, if I believe in a product, I can sell it. Oh, any, I had great uh, partnerships, not only with you as suppliers, uh, but with direct manufacturers. You know, I work with chocolate company, Valrona. I work with Satin Ice, which manufactures the rolled fondant. It's great to have friends in the industry and we all try to support each other. I think that that would be phenomenal. And I think even, I, I, there's no doubt that things are going to turn around and you're going to be more successful than ever. But I would love, and we could discuss this later, and I've been doing this with other people in the industry as well. I think now is a great time to really leverage relationships and people have different expertise in areas of this business. And you know, I would love to do something like that because the way we've always approached our relationship with customers at Wolco is really from a friend to friend standpoint first. And I think that's really showing up now and it showed up in, in 9-11 and other times. And I I can relate to what you're saying, and it's widespread. I mean, there's so much uncertainty out there that it can lead to a roller coaster of emotions. And there's all, you know, there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty. But the one thing that I just sort of believe very strongly is that we are social and people want to get back. And I think if people want that enough and there's enough energy behind it, you know, it will happen. But it is tough to be patient like this, and it is tough to have to go through it. I mean, um, you know, from your perspective, though, I'm, I'm curious. You do have such a strong name recognition and such, um, you know, such a wonderful perception as the brand. Are you utilizing that in any sort of specific way as you introduce new or perhaps existing customers to the cookie line and other baked goods that you're well, doing? Well, we're going to rely on our existing base, which is thousands of names. Mm -hmm. Uh, to let them know, of course, that it's available. The idea is that we ourselves, we're not going to use a delivery service like Caviar or Chow Hound, I believe it's called. We're going to deliver ourselves. The idea that we'll stay in New York City for a while and we'll take the car and our chefs themselves will deliver drop-off curbside or people can also pick it up from us here. We'll bring it downstairs. So we're very limited, but reaching out to the people who already know us, like you mentioned, maybe a couple that had their wedding last year would like to have some treats. We also assume that more and more people are going back to work in some kind of basis so we can deliver to the offices or at least downstairs to the uh, reception. But a lot of people are going to continue working from home. So they will need treats. And obviously... There are other sources to get good cookies and macarons, but this is the first time we're doing it from us. And the truth is, throughout the years over the holidays, I would create little gift packages for our regular clients, all the locations, the hotels, the caterers. Who doesn't like to receive a little bonbon? And people mm-hmm. have been saying, you should sell it. So <laughs> my my mentor and good friend, Mr. Chocolate himself, Jacques Torres, for years have been nagging me and saying, oh, you should have your own 
retail. So, <laughs> I, I think it's a great idea. You know, something that we've done over here, Ron, and um, I may have discussed it in an earlier podcast. I was on a, an Instagram live with someone in the real estate industry. One of the things that we layered on to what we were already doing is home delivery of produce and groceries and other items yes, that we sell. I was sell. very impressed to discover this on your website. And it's actually better to get it from you than a grocery store because you have access to the manufacturers and the growers. Getting vegetables from Walco is so much better than going to a supermarket. Well, what I found with this, Ron, is you know it was something that I sort of got into because there was clearly an opportunity early on in the COVID situation where a lot of traditional supermarkets and Whole Foods and other uh, Instacart, they had major supply chain issues. And so customers were waiting a week for a delivery and we were able to come in and deliver the next day with no delivery fee. And there was so much demand that we couldn't really even ramp up into other parts of New Jersey until a few weeks into it. What's happened now is as those traditional chains have opened up, obviously it's a more competitive environment. But now I have so much data that I know exactly. I mean, I, I don't want to call anybody out by name, but we're 40% less expensive on almost every item than one of the major grocery distributors in this area. So I only mention this because now that the supply chain issues have gone away, sales have come down, but as with anything in business, and you know this, you have to earn what you get. And now with all this data, I believe that the home delivery is going to be a consistent and never-ending part of the yeah offerings we have at Wilco. And I'm sure the same is going to be for you. As these celebrations come online and you go back to the wedding cakes, I think the demand and, and, the, and the love that people have for the goods that they're going to be buying now, is just going to be another offering as, so long as it's something you're willing to do. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Which, which is great. I also think that there were, of course, some companies that always delivered uh, home Mm -hmm. But it's different. It's very attractive to work with a wholesaler for the home cook to know that they'll get fresh cuts of meat or vegetables and dairy from you is different than logging on. And, you know, people get tired of ordering from the same place. Absolutely. And I think people get it. You know, one of the things that we're going to do, we have our own brand of products that are exclusive to Wilco Ron called Holland and York. And we have Holland and York honey and smoked salmon and other items which you may have seen. But it took me about five to six months to get that idea designed and, and structured before we even launched it in 19. And when we did the home delivery, we literally moved very quickly to accommodate this hole. But I'm now going to spend the next, let's call it four to eight to 12 weeks, really designing an executable strategy. And a big part of it is I think people at home, because you can see, and you know this being a judge on so many TV shows mm -hmm. and, and just being a celebrity yourself, people love food, they love food preparation, they love the dining scene. So I think there's a real thrill for people at home to be able to get their goods from the exact place where their favorite chef or baker or mixologist is. And I do think one trend that's going to continue, like I know with my wife and I know with people I've spoken to, not everybody enjoyed getting groceries delivered to their house. They would enjoy going to the store for a bunch of it. I think more and more people are comfortable with that type of delivery. And so I do think that that market is there and available. And since we don't need a lot of it to be material for us, because we're going to layer it onto what we're doing, you know, we're very excited. And I, I appreciate what you're saying. 
So now I would love to ask you a few questions. Please, please. So specifically about scaling and pivoting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very hard to find in the local stores. And even the, before I knew you deliver, I reached out to, without mentioning names, the established places, including Amazon. And I could not get bread flour and I could not get yeast. Uh, and if you would find a single envelope of Fleischmann's yeast on the store uh, shelf, it would be five times the regular price. So I reached out and I got a 50-pound bag of bread flour, King Arthur, which is my favorite, and a whole kilo of yeast, which I'll never have to use. But what about the home user? Would you be willing to split those huge 50-pound bag of flour? You know, it's a great point. And what we've been doing on that site, we wouldn't be able to split something where we had to actually open it and handle it and repackage it But what we are doing and something we're going to do more of is break down cases so that we can sell the the, the items individually. So, for example, our suburban customers who have much more storage space love the idea of buying a case of kettle potato chips, buying a case of roll towels. You know, for them, that's how they want to shop. They have the storage and it works for them. For our customers in New York City and Jersey City, They don't have that storage. They don't have a garage where they can put stuff or what have you. So we need to offer them much smaller pack sizes, which we're doing. And as I say, over time, Ron, what we'll probably do is we'll start buying and inventorying items that are exclusively meant for the home consumer so that we'll have a smaller pack size offering of the King Arthur if if one's available and certainly for Fleischmann's. But it's kind of been balancing the two types of customers that we have. The ones in in the suburbs, they love the bulk. The ones in the city are more geared towards produce, but they need a smaller delivery minimum. So, for example, when we launched, we have our own site and we work with another company called Choco. We had a $200 minimum. I've now lowered that to $100 because the feedback we got from a lot of customers in New York is we love it, but we just don't have the ability to store that much stuff. So I think it's going to be an evolving target over time. And my idea of splitting a bag into smaller packaging is not um, realistic? It is realistic, but if you're going to handle food and open them, it's a whole other layer of regulatory oversight. Right, right. And so, you know, for us, it wouldn't be something that we would want to do. But, you know, I think that there are a lot of items, like I said, that we sell by the case that that are in self-contained packages that we can and will offer individually. And I think we're going to change our um, yes. our offerings as well. I think where people have really enjoyed the shopping experience with us is from our produce because people just can't believe the produce because that's really where you're seeing it because we've always been so disciplined because you know we're dealing with the top chefs and, and what have you in New York and they're extraordinarily demanding. So we hold ourselves to that standard. And so now when we're delivering that to the home consumer, but then there's other things that people love. It's, it's going to be evolving. But I think, you know, back to what you're doing, where I think you have a big advantage over us in terms of pivoting, if you will, is your brand recognition is such that it's an easy transition for somebody. Whereas I think what we're going to have to do is do a very good job communicating to people why they would want to buy from us. I know for a fact we're going to be able to save them a lot of money. And then once we get the story behind it, then I think it creates something compelling. But that's the work that we have to put in. We didn't have to put it in initially because people were just desperate to get stuff delivered. 
And we still kept those customers. We have a, we, we actually built up a nice size, loyal client base of, of home consumers. But in order to make this grow to the level that I would like it to, we're going to have to put in that work. And that's why branding is so special and so important because when you have it such as you do and you pivot, the people who are loyal to you, they're going to be very much open to experiencing other baked goods oh, because they've already you know, been in love with what you're doing. So to my next question, you see, Please. you should have never given me a microphone. Anytime. Hey, <laughs> I love it. I love it, Ron. So I'm really curious, you know, because I'm familiar with my own story. I don't really like to tell my story because I get tired of it. I like to work. But I'm curious about your story. How did you end up being the owner of Walco? And how long has it been? You're so involved, it seems like forever. So that's a great question. So basically, to, to make it a, to get to the point that's relevant, in 1999, I was in law school. I, I was in law school. I was in my second year of law school, and I had a job lined up for that summer at Cadwallader, a law firm in New York. And my father passed away unexpectedly. And he owned 50% of Wilco and my current business partner, who's not a relative, who was closer in age to my dad, Robert Krivlin, owned the other 50%. And I met with Robert, who I had a good relationship with and have a good relationship with. And we had a number of long conversations. And I made the decision to take the stock in the company as opposed to the buyout because uh, although I enjoyed law and I did finish law school and pass the bar and although I enjoyed it, I really got into it because my father felt that I needed a more expansive education. I was a literature major from the University of Chicago. And my father said, if you have aspirations of going into business, you really need to enhance your education and, and get a law degree or something else. So I'd always had a love of business. I wasn't sure what I was going to do, although I didn't, did love the law. And I, I have you know done pro bono work. Uh, as a lawyer in criminal defense and other things. So in any event, I got into Wilco in 1999 and um, just fell in love with it. And it, and it couldn't have worked out better mm. because I, I really, I love the challenges of business. We have a great core group of people. And even though we've grown uh, quite a bit since 1999, uh, many of these people are still with us. And uh, we moved to Jersey City from Manhattan in 04. And you know, it's interesting, Ron, because I'm not really a foodie. You know, I'm, I'm not somebody that goes out and, and is really adventurous and trying new things. But I love helping people and I love problem solving and I love collaboration mm -hmm. and listening. And so being in business and being in business in this space has really been been a dream for me. And that's how I got into it. And then um, the rest is history. We started Holland and York, our own brand of food products in 2019. And um, I just really enjoy it. I love the people so in this industry. that's relatively new to have your yeah, own that's new. brand. That's new. We felt that there was a real opportunity there for us to launch our own brand and design it around partnering up with the highest quality manufacturers in whatever so product. So what's in your online and what makes it different? You see how I switched to interviewing you? <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's great for me. What about, what did you say, what online? So what is in your line? What does it contain? So we have over 50 items. The, the thinking between doing the private label initially was that because we have the distribution channel with our customers in the same way that Netflix does or Whole Foods does with their 365 brand, we felt that if we created a really special line of products, 
It would strengthen the relationship that we have with our customers and offer them something special. And obviously, we're not the first company to do something like this, but we made the decision of, because a lot of companies, what they do run um, is they'll create their own private label, and then every few years, they'll take bids from different manufacturers to see if they can get a little bit of a savings. And since the label doesn't change, the company can husband those profits. And I decided to take a different approach, which is I want to partner up with the highest quality manufacturers in the space, regardless of cost, and really build a premier brand. Because much like we're doing with the home delivery, at some point down the road, I'd like to offer the Holland New York products either to other distributors and other markets or retail. But the point was we wanted to create something really special for our customers where they know that what they're getting from us is, is unique from us and also something high quality. And that was what we did. So we have it over 50 unique products now, everything from, uh, as I say, honey and cherry. We have a complete bar line of cherries and cocktail onions and olives. We have smoked salmon. We have hamburgers. We have uh, cooking about, oils. We have um, tomatoes. Items for the baking industry? The baking industry is, is an area where I really need to do more work and ramp up the offerings. We have a lot of non-food items as well. So we, you know, we have pan liners and we have other items that would be used by bakers. But in terms of our own chocolate line or flour, that's something, and maybe that's something even you and I could talk about, you know, offline. I would but- love to tell you what I need because it's always, um, we are working on, I really wanted to include in my new line, a Mediterranean style cookie. So we've been experimenting with tahini, mm-hmm. which, uh, we were able to do a great recipe and now we are waiting for a whole case to be delivered. <laughs> mm-hmm. So <laughs> today, really, so many changes. Yeah. I mean, the thing with our label is we need to have a product that we do enough volume in that it warrants the manufacturer because right. quite frankly, a lot of manufacturers that we're working with had never done a label for an, a unique customer before, but because of our relationship with them and our market, we were able to do it. But I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Tahini and, and what else were you saying, Rob? We just need to look at how, you know, for instance, you carried the whole range of frozen fruit purees and items that every pastry chef needs. That's great. Mm-hmm. But there are more unusual types that we can look at. No, absolutely. Maybe we can do a whole baking line. The, the Holland and York baking line at Woolco Foods and and Ron Ben Israel that that's used by Ron Ben Israel. All I ask is to have my face. Done. That's a bad of course, <laughs> of course. That, once we launch Holland and York and other markets, a big part of it, you know, is going to be is going to be associating our brand with all of our phenomenal customers. So, you know, we have so many great relationships. I don't even like to call them customers. We have so many great relationships with people that. You know, thanks to cable television and the Food Network and and all of and social media and and all of the ability now that we have to access mm. information and content about exactly what we want, that I think when people realize that you and Tom Burchard of Veselka and I could go on and on are utilizing these products, it really gets people excited because these are people that they know and love through, as I say, television, social media. They've been to their restaurants, so it's a it's a whole new world, but. You know, you got me thinking about something because I'm glad you asked me because the truth is like, as I was answering your question, that really is what I really enjoy about 
being at Wolco and working with people is I love collaborating, you know, and problem solving. And it's kind of what this podcast is about because there's so much that goes into this business. I mean, of course, the food, the cuisine, the goods, that's essential. But there's so many other aspects to this business that are, I would argue, equally essential. And that's kind of what I like and what I like exploring. Like, even from your perspective, because you're such a lovely person, would you agree with me, Ron, that, that the relationships that you've developed over the years, yes, people love what you bake, but I think it's got to also be just the relationship that you have and the feeling that people have, you know, interacting with you and, and, and getting a Ron Ben Israel cake. You know, um, it's funny when I was trying to climb my way, not even to the top, just to make a living when I arrived to New York City, I didn't think it, the goal was to survive, but you create a lot of relationships as you go up the ladder. And I, by nature, feel I, I seek loyalty and I also like to give it. So we've been dealing with Walker for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And that's a relationship that became very organic. I used to live really close on 11th Street and you were in the meatpacking district. Mm-hmm. Now I moved, I moved to 10th Street. So I like to stay downtown in the village. And my <laughs> physical uh, properties for the kitchen were always in that area. So I didn't even have a vehicle. I used to walk over and just pick up things from the loading dock. And I guess they just put up with me. So that ability was great because I, I didn't have a ability to cover a minimum and I'm sure they broke cases for me. Maybe you didn't know about it, but they did. Oh, sure, sure. So, you know, and it goes both ways. Why should I switch to another supplier if we have this relationship? And now that it's a tough time, a lot of uh, companies cannot reach us. And you guys are doing beyond. So that's great. No, I appreciate that. I also would like to know something that could be improved is to know what's going on, meaning are there new products? Uh, can we streamline our production? Are there some things that maybe you don't want to stock on a regular basis, but you would stock for us? The answer to that is, I think on the one hand, there's always one of the challenges that we always have to do a better job at at Wilco because so much changes within the, the culinary industry and you know we have so many different products. What I would say, Ron, is a, it's incumbent upon us to do a better job communicating. I know we send out a lot of e-blasts and do stuff like that, but always know that, you know, your sales rep, Lonnie, and we have, I believe now, 12 sales reps, you know, their responsibility is really a relationship manager. And and you and every other customer should know that you can call them anytime. And it always, it doesn't have to be about placing an order or inquiring as to the status of an order. We're there to assist. In terms of bringing in any product that would be specially used by you, the answer is absolutely yes. And in fact, one of the great ways over the years that we've added new categories and new products to our line is from the lead of our customers. We like to be very responsive. We've always been much more of a responsive company in that sense where we sort of keep our finger in the air and we can identify where trends are going and then we're able to really ramp up. So anything you need, we're going to do to make the experience as magnificent as it can be because that's our commitment. So in terms of communicating more, absolutely, we have to do that. But always know that your sales rep or anyone in customer service or myself, call, you know, whatever it is, (laughs) love it. 
while I'm talking to you, I've been mm-hmm. texting Lonnie, our sales rep, and I already got two orders in, and now I'm texting, you know, we figured out we need more stuff, and I'm saying, what's the ETA? Awesome. No, <laughs> so it's a- I'm putting some fire. You know, this is what's left is not the biggest orders, but they're very helpful for us. Look, now is the time when everybody has to pull together. You know, again, I'm very bullish on New York City. I'm extremely bullish on the restaurant industry. I'm extremely bullish on people socializing. But we have to get back to that place. Oh, meaning that we have to reopen? No, what I'm saying is I feel very optimistic about this entire industry, and I'm very excited. But we're in a unique situation now. And everybody has to be there to help everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Like, in the same way, I I have phenomenal vendors that are working with us in terms of Mm. immediate deliveries when we need stuff or coming four days a week instead of three. Because right now, it's such a fluid situation. We went from a position where everything was locked down. Now things are opening up. So normally, for example, in my purchasing department, the buyers are able to anticipate demand pretty good based upon seasonality. Now mm. it's all over the map. And so if you get a mm. spike in demand, we need, we need that responsivity mm. from our vendors. But, so let me ask you, yeah. biggest issue for us right now is not the actual space where we work, which has mm. always been impeccable and it's easier to sterilize and sanitize, I should say. Mm. But what about the transportation? Since your warehouse is in New Jersey, do most of your employees drive to work? Many of our employees drive to work, but we're doing temperature checks every day. It's the same people. You know, we're cleaning the place every day. Everyone's wearing masks and gloves, sanitizing the truck. So, you know, we're doing everything to be CDC and most importantly, to keep people safe. If people didn't want to come to work, they don't come. You know, we're being very sensitive and responsive to, you know, the employees. My conflict is I do not want yet my employees to take the train, the subway. Understood. We we don't have any employees that take public transportation. You know, we're in New Jersey, so all of our employees drive. They either live in New Jersey or they come from New York and drive. That's been the case, you know. So I can appreciate your sensitivity there. I get that. I know that the governor was speaking yesterday and had said that the subways had never been cleaner, but I can appreciate your concern there. Oh, I'm sure. But that's not something we've had to deal with. Yeah. Also, it's it's very interesting. You know, we're all becoming experts, you know, trying to weigh the information we get. Mm-hmm. But one sense that I'm getting now, and of course, it's not scientific. I'm a cake baker. I'm not an epidemiologist. That infection is less from one person to another to another it's more in a cluster. So if people go to see the family and then large part can be infected, mm-hmm. uh, more in, in social gatherings as opposed to if you protect yourself and the people around you, better chances of staying healthy. I mean, everybody's theorizing. Yeah, it's been, about uh, washing your hands, which should be anyway. Absolutely. Now it's the masks and the six feet distancing. Uh, I started riding city bike. I never did that. I love bikes, but I only mm-hmm. ride during vacations out of town. And New York City is so dangerous. But now that there's less traffic, I enjoyed city bikes, which is amazing. You just take it from a dock and then dock later and you pay $3. So I ordered my first bike helmet since I was a kid. 
It's, uh, it, it's great. I know I was reading an article about bicycle sales going through the roof. And when I drive around my town, I, I see people biking and I've gone on bike rides with my kids. And I, I definitely think that at least out here, and I'm sure it's the same in New York, people are reconnecting with sort of the simpler pleasures in life. Like, you know, I've lived in my house that I live in now for seven years. And in the midst of this thing, many afternoons, I'll sit in the driveway while my daughter and one of my sons plays, either they're shooting baskets or they're on their scooter. And one day I was sitting out there and I'm looking around and it was close to sunset and I was really taking it all in. And I realized I lived in this house for seven years and I'd never had that experience before. And mm. I'm not trying to be Pollyanna because this whole circumstance is something I would have much rather avoided as I'm sure everyone else had. But on the other side of it, it definitely is it's forced me to do something I was never very good at, which you sort of alluded to earlier on, which I'm really now trying to force myself to just live and focus on one day at a time. Because mm. like you, if you think too much to the future, at least for me, it can no, lead can. to yeah. anxiety or it can lead to frustration or whatever. We I just try to stay know. in the moment. Exactly. It's, it's a situation that none of us in our lifetime handled. And... Um, <sighs> We have to really uh, work on it as a global community. Exactly. It's, it's one of those things. But what I would say is, I think, and here's an interesting question, I think that in, in a sense, because of people have been at home, I know for myself, I'm not much of a, of a cook, but one of the other things that's occurred since this whole thing is, you know, started is I make myself now uh, eggs, I make myself pasta. I actually am starting to develop a little bit of a different relationship with food because of this. Oh, and I don't think, I, and, and I don't think I'm alone. And one of the things that people get, like on my, my family, if we order up uh, delivery from a bear burger or something, have you given any thought to how the sort of lockdown or the quarantine has changed people's relationship with food? Because really, if you think about it, cooking and eating was one of the only pleasurable mm other than the one we know of, activities that was there. I mean, is that something you've thought about? I haven't really thought about it that much, but as I'm speaking to you, I'm sort of becoming aware that it, it did change a little mm -hmm. bit for me. Guess what? I just got a text message from our sales rep, Lonnie. Truck will be there in 10 minutes. Love it. <laughs> that makes me feel very special. That's great. Oh, of course. Uh, We're on top of it, and no question about that. So, I mean, what I would say... You know, Ron, is the following. I think this is a time also where people and their characters and their qualities are really going to shine through. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, kind of what you were saying, I mean, New York's never been through anything like this, but New York is a very resilient city, don't you think? Absolutely. That's why I chose it as my home country. Yeah. Uh, New York always felt, I grew up in Tel Aviv. And there's a lot of commonality. Of course, Tel Aviv is much smaller, but the intensity of culture and the vibrancy and the interest in other humans and shopping and performance. So New York felt really natural. Of course, it takes years to, to own your residency here. Uh, by the time you start complaining about the tourists, you know you're a real New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, we need tourists. We need tourists to come back. Um, 
you're right about having to stay positive, but you're also very right about the changing relationship to food. So New Yorkers are known for going out a lot to restaurants and supporting them and enjoying uh, takeaway and delivery. But oh, we call it takeout. But that's different. People have been cooking and baking. I know from my experience, I've done a few charity classes online in Zoom for hundreds of people, how to specifically target to the Jewish holidays. We had two, Passover and Shavuot. So I've done uh, sweet souffles from my home kitchen using, <laughs> using very basic lighting and an uh, iPhone and uh, a laptop. And I've been doing a weekly talk show like you. It's called Cake Talk every Wednesday afternoon. And I bring on a cake colleague from around the world. And it's, I think this week is going to be the seventh. And now it seems like it's going to happen on a regular basis. And I'll continue broadcasting either from home or from the kitchen. It's awesome. Thousands of people, uh, we can see them live, are coming on and asking questions. And then they watch it on Instagram it's called IGTV. So it stays there forever. Very exciting. So I Absolutely. would have never done a talk show if I, if, if I wasn't at home thinking about ways to communicate. That's the great thing about social media and podcasts is now people are really able to dial in and consume content on exactly what interests them. You know, when I was... Growing up in, in, in America, you had, you know, the three major networks and then you had the Yankees on 11 and the Mets on nine. Now, you know, for example, myself, when I have time and if it's downtime and I want to entertain myself, you know, one of my hobbies is collecting baseball cards, basketball cards. There's podcasts mm -hmm. about that. You can watch an IGTV episode on some aspect of history. So I think what you're doing makes perfect sense because people love to bake and people love to consume content that teaches them how to do things. My son watches videos on these video games that he plays or watches people play video games. So it's a whole different world, but it's a world that I think is terrific because people can get their message out, you know, yeah. and people who are going to listen to this podcast, whether they own restaurants, they aspire to own a bakery, they can now get content directly from, from you as opposed to what would have been available many years ago, would have been almost impossible. So, but if I were to recommend people for the podcast today, I would like them to come out with two or three lessons. One is use the terms pivot and scale, which mm -hmm. apply to everything in life, I guess. I'll have to apply to my actions and relationships. But then mm -hmm. you can get your home delivery through Walco mm -hmm. and you can soon order online through weddingcakes.com. Uh, you'll be able to order a special delivery by our chefs of uh, seasonal cookies and macarons, and we're going to do some special candy bars, although we're looking for a name. We're not going to call them candy bars. Maybe we're going to call them Ron bars or something. And we're also going to have cake in a different form. So we are working on it. Ron, this was really... An absolute pleasure for me. And I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. And I'm going to call you later today or tomorrow because I've been taking notes and I can think of a few things that I would love to do with you, both in terms of being able to promote what you're doing with WeddingCakes.com and, and other things. Uh, I think mm. there's a lot of opportunity here, but this was really very special. And I, I really enjoyed this, Ron. Thank so you I, for I letting thank me you. rattle off. I love talking. 
No, you're, you're, you're the best. So for everyone who's listening, this has been Ron Ben Israel. You can find him on weddingcakes.com. And when you see these cakes and the other stuff, it's going to blow your mind. If you want to follow Ron on any of the social media channels, you go to RBI Cakes. Uh, Ron has his cake talk show and all other great content. And there's nobody better to follow uh, in this entire industry, especially when it comes to baking. So, Ron, okay, my thank you. Is, my, my head is so big now. It will uh, fit you did, the door. I, I can only speak the truth, Ron. It really is true. And for somebody that we've, we've been in a relationship with for 20 years, sincerely, thank you. And I really enjoyed this. My pleasure. To be Have continued. Everybody Have a great be day. well and healthy and keep on cooking and baking and communicating. Awesome. Thank you, Ron. Thank you. Hello. That was a, a great interview with a really great person, Ron Ben Israel, and I'm really honored that he took the time to speak with me. I got a lot out of that, and I'm sure that uh, you did as well. For my book recommendation this week, I want to recommend something which I'm now rereading, and I think the timing is absolutely perfect. And it's a book called Typhoon and Other Stories by Joseph Conrad. And in particular, I'm thinking of the first story in the collection called Typhoon. And I don't want to give any of it away. The only thing I will say is it's a story that is incredibly inspiring and incredibly appropriate as we all navigate this very challenging time. I think it's important to be inspired and it's important to be able to sort of get a little bit of an escape. And I'm certainly getting uh, that from this story. And I wanted to share it with you. And as always, I love it when you recommend books to me. And would love to know from you guys your thoughts on this story. You can DM me on Instagram at Wilco Foods. You can email me at Stephen at WilcoFoods.com. And would love to hear from you. So again, I just want to thank everybody for listening. And I hope everyone has an awesome day. And just all the best, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Profitable Table, fed by Wilco Foods. Please be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about Woolco Foods or Stephen Toberoff, please visit us at woolcofoods.net.